we are the Ghoul Gang. On today's episode features me, Mallory. Hi, I'm Danny. Hey, it's Kirsten. Hey y'all, it's Kirsten. I am here to talk about one of my, I don't want to say favorite true crime stories, but it's one that has definitely stuck with me for a while. It's the case of Josh and Susan Powell. So little background, Susan grew up in a loving Mormon LDS family, which is the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Um, Don't get me started on that religion. That's for another topic. Look it up. There are documentaries on Hulu and how fucked up this religion is. But however, she grew up in a very loving home with very loving parents. And I believe she was the younger sibling to two older siblings. Um, She was very outgoing and bubbly and loved animals. Her and her sister had two birds and They didn't know that they were the opposite sex and they were in the same cage. Oh no. Yeah. And out of nowhere, hello, bunch of bird babies everywhere. So she was a huge animal advocate, huge animal lover. Um, But yeah, they ended up having a multitude of birds in the house. So that's just a little, little background on Susan. Um, Josh, her future husband, was born in January of 1976 in Washington. He unfortunately had a tumultuous upbringing with his parents and his siblings. Um, His dad, Stephen, was very abusive towards the family and it got so bad, the fighting got so bad between Stephen and his wife that his wife ended up leaving and that left Stephen, Josh's father, with the responsibilities of Josh and his siblings. I believe he had three other siblings. So fast forward. Susan and Josh were both devout in their Mormon faith, and they met at a Mormon singles function in 2000. She was 19 and he was 24, and they instantly hit it off and started dating. They both had birds at the time, and that's what sparked their relationship. Unfortunately, Josh was very controlling and obsessive. He loved to brag about himself and he was obnoxious. Susan was very reserved and sweet. Opposites attract and she was crazy about him. He was older, had his own apartment, car and job, and he promised her the world. Her friends and family thought he was a weirdo, but Susan seemed super happy so they didn't question it. They were only together eight months and got married in April of 2001, so a year later after they first met and started dating Um, they got married in 2001 at a mormon temple in oregon to save money they moved in with josh's father stephen powell and after about two years of marriage they moved into their own place in west valley city utah they both got their own careers going and she was vocal about yearning to be a mom they were a very happy couple at first but things changed when they had kids when susan went into labor with her first child They were at home and Susan's father said, hey, we've got to go. And Josh was on the computer, just Mm. aloof, nonchalant, just saying, okay, I'll be there in a minute. (gasps) 
no interest whatsoever. While she's going to labor. While she's going to labor. Mm. So, Shall I stab him now or later? Um, I pause. wish you would have stabbed. Yeah, I wish you would have stabbed him yeah. at that time because, yeah, this is a very fucked up story. So we already know he's a fucking piece of shit just from that. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So as Susan and her family went to the hospital, Josh showed up an hour and a half later, <gasps> an hour and a half after they already arrived at the hospital. While his wife is at the hospital basically giving birth their, ch- their child their first child their first child mm. so when he got there he went in the room he was 20 feet away from susan opened up his computer and started fucking around on his computer <gasps> it got to the point where susan's father josh's father-in-law was like hey man go be with your wife yeah and so he finally did but Why did it take convincing? Exactly. When someone has to tell you to do the right thing. Right. Right. Fucked up. Mm -hmm. So they ended up having two boys. Um, Charlie was the oldest and then Brayden followed two years after. They were the light of her life and nobody denied that Josh was a great father. But Susan and Josh's marriage started going sour after they had their boys. Josh was extremely controlling and gave her a $10 budget grocery list for a week to feed four people. Uh, Yeah. Oh my God. This was like 2008, 2000, 2000s. That's still like, yeah, it's, I know like today's time, like the grocery bill has gone up so significantly, but like even back then that's ridiculous nothing for four fucking people for a week that's probably like a bag of like that's probably like a bag of chips and a couple snacks and a drink right that's literally a chicken sandwich and fries no it literally is for one for one day for one well, for one person yeah one person yeah so Damn. he gave her a ten dollar budget every week to get groceries for all four of them um, she was embarrassed and she would ask friends for money because her kids were hungry. She'd be like, Hey, Aww. I'm desperate. Like, can you feed my kids a hot dog? Like I I'm embarrassed asking for this. And so you know, sad. she, she was so loving and she had so many supportive friends and you know, who were there to help her. Like they, they supported her. They hated Josh, but they were like, well, you're happy with him. He's a fucking weirdo. I don't know why you're with him, but yeah, here's a hot mm-hmm. dog. Thank God she had good friends. Exactly. Um, He didn't even want to buy the kids Christmas gifts. Uh, Yeah. Like, what kind of a father are you? A piece of shit father? Yeah, a penny pinching. Yeah. But get this. He didn't want to buy the kids Christmas gifts, but he would splurge his money on snacks and shit for himself. (gasps) Of course he would. Like, he had stashes of chips and salsa and popcorn and all this shit for just himself. Mm. So she didn't like confrontation. So she let him control the money. He would change the pin number on her when she went to use their joint account for food slash groceries. He bought 3000 pounds of wheat, electronic cars and computers, etc. Like the amount of computers that he had was like a a radio shack he had so many computers that no that no person should have yeah 
no one person should have unless you're i don't know and i there's like there's no there's no reason to have that many computers exactly well especially when the mother's begging for like a hot dog right you know unless you're going to be the next bill gates i'll understand but no but no like a plethora of electronics computers like all this random shit three thousand pounds of wheat that's ridiculous what do you bro are you starting a bread factory like i don't yeah that's so (laughs) odd like it's so odd of like the things that he's collecting in mass like collections exactly and the people josh's friends and family who knew josh they just chalked it up to be like oh well he's a weirdo he's an eccentric guy like that's just josh he does weird weird shit see i feel Mm. like a lot of times like there's so many before when you get into episodes like this it's like there's so many like precursors that no one's catching Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely calm before the storm it sucks so basically susan had enough like this was like three four years into their marriage and she's like i'm fucking done with you so she brought up divorce to him and he threatened her when she brought up divorce he said he was going to leave the country and get so many lawyers involved and it's going to be a mess if they get divorced so susan met privately with a divorce lawyer unbeknownst to josh and the lawyer said to document all of their assets. Susan had a safe deposit box that no one knew about as well. She recorded videos of documented assets and said, if anything happens to me or my family, it wasn't an accident. The lawyer told her to hide the tape in a box and tell no one. Susan also wrote a note in the box saying, Susan's last will and testament And on the inside, it says, do not show this to Josh. I do not trust him. Yeah. Mm. For you to say, I can't imagine saying that about my husband. Yeah. I just, I I can't. Especially your partner, not someone you fear. Right. Right. So on the morning of December 7th, 2009, Susan was supposed to drop off her boys at daycare, but they never showed. Susan was always on time and it was out of character for her not to call if she was running behind. The daycare worker, Debbie, who was also a friend of Susan's, called Susan and Josh to no answer. She also called their workplaces and each one said neither of them showed up for work. Debbie, then concerned, drove to their home to check on them and no one was home. She called Josh and Susan's families and then called the police to do a wellness check. They thought there might have been a carbon monoxide poisoning case. They they recently had trouble with their heater and that you know, they sense. thought maybe they set it up wrong or what. You're you're thinking the worst. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking like, "Oh, this might have been a freak accident. Like this is out of character for them to not show up to work and not to answer their phones and blah blah blah." So the police come, they were given permission to break the window and go inside only to an empty home. Susan's purse, wallet, and keys are in the house. The detective noticed two box fans in the front room blowing towards the carpet and the couch next to it had just been cleaned. Josh and Susan's friends and family are thinking something happened to them on the road, like losing control, driving off a cliff. Like, I mean, you don't know. It's, 
Utah in December, icy roads, snowfall, you just never know. So they're thinking, okay, again, an accident happened. So police issued a statewide search for their vehicle. The Powell family has now been declared missing for 12 hours. Around 7 p.m., Josh and his sons return home, but Susan is not in the vehicle with them. The police immediately question him in the driveway. Josh tells them that he took the boys, who are now two and four years old, out on an overnight camping trip the night before around midnight in Simpson Springs out in the West Desert. It's about 90 miles south of Salt Lake City. Despite it being a Sunday night when the boys had daycare and Josh had work the next morning, there was also a snowstorm that night. Okay, why would you take your two and four year old? You wouldn't. Winter camping. No. At midnight during no. a snowstorm. No. The, I mean, seriously, like red flag from the beginning. Are you like fucking you, kidding me? You could have come up with a lot of other shit than right. uh, going camping within a winter storm. Right. Right. You could have just said, you know, oh, the hot water heater went out. I had to go stay in a hotel. Exactly. Not, let's go camping in the winter. All right. Yeah. Stupid. So the detective asked, you know, where is Susan? Josh said Susan didn't go because she wanted to go to bed early. The detective asked him why he wasn't answering his phone. And he said he was trying to conserve the battery. There was a charger in the car in plain sight. The detective saw it in his console and was like, okay, you're trying to conserve battery, but you have a charger? Okay. Josh kept saying, well, Susan should have been at work today. And, I, you know, I don't know where she is. And he kept focusing on she should have been at work. She should have been at work. Bro, she's not. She didn't go. She's Neither missing. of y'all were at work. Exactly. So... Police found that sketch, as they should have, and they took him in for questioning. The detective asked him, you know, why would you take your boys on a Sunday night? It, it's Sunday. You have work the next day. The boys have daycare. And Josh said, oh, I forgot it was Sunday. <gasps> How? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I, me personally, I know what fucking day it is. Yeah. Like, he's playing stupid. Yeah. Especially when you have kids and a job to provide for the kids. Like, are you fucking kidding me? So his vehicle got searched and, um, he had a bunch of camping equipment in the vehicle. So it corroborated his camping story, unfortunately. Um, but also he had Susan's phone in his car that they found mm. and he couldn't explain how it got there. Mm. Of course he couldn't. So detectives and police, you know, they were not satisfied. So the next day they brought him in again for questioning. And that's when he started acting suspicious. They're like, you know, do you know anybody that could cause ill will towards her? Like that can, do you know anything about this, that and the other? And he either would give very little information or say nothing. And this guy, Josh, was known to be a talker. Like, he was known to not shut the fuck up. So it was very odd for him to... Be quiet. Not talk and yep. be quiet. So he couldn't answer any basic questions. Um, and then he immediately got pissed. 
and very vocal about, oh, well, Debbie, who was the daycare worker who came over, he was mad that she had a key and the cops broke his window. That was his main concern. Oh, well, the cops broke my window. What am I supposed to do about that? Now I have to pay for that. Bro. And the cops again were like, Josh, your wife is missing. Your wife is missing. There's bigger things to focus on. Exactly. And his response to that was, well, I just need to think about it for a couple of days. I've, I've answered everything that you've asked me to. Bro. Red flag. Yep. So unbeknownst to Josh, while he was being questioned, his two sons were being questioned as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the detective asked Charlie, so who went, who went on the camping trip with y'all? And he said, my mom, my dad, and my brother. And she said, oh, your mom, your mom went with you? And he said, yeah. And she said, well, who came back? You know, who came home with you? And he said, my dad and my brother. And she said, oh, okay, not your mom. And he said, no, my mom stayed and she laid with the crystals. So that was a huge red flag for them. They were like, wait, what? So the crystals is like the snow then, right? I don't know. They were all kind of confused about that, but yeah. it's not good. No, See, that's not, I would yeah. take that as potentially like the lake because you know how like mm. ice, like icicles, or at least that what I've seen, like, you know, especially like with algae and stuff, like once it gets frozen, they'll freeze up. So it could look like oh. crystals looking down. Mm. Yep. I mean, regardless, like he said, even though he's five, kids don't, I feel like kids don't lie about that kind of shit. No. When they, when they're in trouble, they, they might tend to lie, but he's not in trouble. Why would he lie about kids are like brutally honest? Exactly. And so that was a huge, you know, moment for them. So then the detectives tell Josh what Charlie just said. They're like, Hey, this is what your son said. And Josh basically said, Oh, well, he's lying. He's a liar. And the detect- the detectives are like, well, are you, why are you calling your kid a liar? And he was like, oh, well, he does this sometimes. And he said, Susan, in fact, did not go with him. Well, detectives had a search warrant for his home and they found a shit ton of electronics. Like I said earlier, like so many, like way too many for a person to have. They also found blood spatter on the floor where the fans were pointed. Remember the box fans oh, from yeah, the beginning? Yeah. They found blood on the floor as if like someone with a nosebleed, if they sneezed, that's how tiny it was. Oh. So the police drove out to Simpson Springs where he claimed they went camping, but they didn't find any evidence of footprints due to the fresh snowfall from the snowstorm the night before. They went through all of his computers and somehow Josh encrypted the hard drives with a very strong password. So whatever was on those hard drives, he did not want anyone else to see. Mm. Yeah. So fast forward nine days after Susan's disappearance, they find Josh a person of interest because he's being so uncooperative with the the detectives and the police. Once he found out he was a person of interest, he packed up his things and moved him and the boys to Washington in the middle of the night without telling anyone. Like, tell me you're guilty without telling me you're guilty. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Like, this, could you be any more obvious? Right. So he moved in with his dad, Stephen, and he basically acted like nothing happened. He was going around shopping, doing this, that, and the other, like acted like nothing was happening. So the media blew up and they were basically like charging at him, stalking him like, hey, where's your wife? Where's Susan? Give us some answers. And so once they started doing that, he became more and more reclusive and withdrawn. And as so much time went by, he finally starts to speak out. So y'all get this. This is some bullshit. Oh my God, I'm ready. So Josh and his father, Stephen, they claim that Susan was emotionally abused as a child and her mom had anger issues and her dad was a, was a very manipulated person, therefore tarnishing Susan and her family's reputation. He said that she's missing because of their abuse towards her, which is far from the truth. She came from a very loving home. Like her parents were wonderful people. This came out of left field. Um, they disparaged her and made her seem like such a bad person. They also, they as in Josh and his dad, Stephen, they made up a story about Susan and another missing Salt Lake man running away to Brazil together to start a new life. She had no connections with this man. They just happened to see a missing man in Salt Lake and, and just connected the two. made up a fucking story about them. He saw an opportunity, saw an opportunity and took it. But all of their friends and family, especially Susan's were like, absolutely not. She would never leave her kids ever. She would never leave her family. And, and again, there's no evidence to connect her and this missing man as even friends, nothing. And it's just funny to me because at first he said, oh, well, you know, why is she not at work? Like, she's a great mom. She should be at work. And then a few months later, he's like, oh, no, she ran away with this random dude to start a new life. Like, how do you change your story from that to that? Yeah. Mm. Where's the justification in that from your like your previous story? Right. So Susan's family had never said anything disparaging towards Josh. Like, even though they thought they didn't like him, he was a total weirdo. But now with them saying that shit, they're like, oh, no, fuck him. Like, she's a victim of domestic abuse by Josh in her own house. Like, we're speaking out now. So February 15th, 2010, like, I guess a year. Oh, no, not even a year, but a few months after she went missing. Susan's family holds a press conference in Washington after months of keeping quiet in the wake of her disappearance. The spokesperson said Susan endured a difficult marriage and an adversarial relationship with her husband, Josh. Susan didn't want to worry her parents and she did not want to share her personal struggles with them. So she was very prideful. She didn't want to feel embarrassed and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm going through this with my husband. Well, and usually too, like women of abuse, like they don't admit it, you know, cause it's like, I didn't with my ex until later. They're ashamed. Yeah. You feel embarrassed. You're like, well, I know I'm going to get. Well, and two, like, (sighs) it's funny because like my ex, like, like last relationship, like as soon as I started vocalizing to my friends and my family, well, friend and my family, that's when I realized, oh, it's bad. So a lot of times that's when you realize, you know, it's too late. 
like someone has to tell you like, no girl, like you're in a bad situation and you don't think about that until, mm -hmm. oh shit. Yeah. Multiple people are telling me this. Like, exactly. I don't want to say this man is a friend, but he was kind of an acquaintance to Josh and Susan. His name was Scott. And he, along with Josh and Susan, were at a Christmas party one time. And Josh went up to Scott and he mentioned to him, the best way to dispose of a body is to shove them down a mine shaft because they're so unstable. Stop. Yeah. That being said, police went searching for Susan in the mines of the desert, but never succeeded. After months of searching, they found a mine called Ironsides Mine and someone poured gasoline down it. The fumes and other things prevented them from going down because it was too dangerous. That makes sense uh, about the crystals. The crystals? That makes sense about the crystals. Mm -hmm. The mines? Wait, I, I can't connect it. Crystal mines. Oh. But the fact that the kid, you know, relayed that. Mm. Right. Damn. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh my God, I put two and two together. Holy shit. Yeah. So... After a while, um, Susan's family did a honkin' wave. It's just like a thing to wave, raise awareness of, you know, oncoming drivers. Like, you know, they have signs and poster boards of Susan. Just, you know, honkin' wave for support. Right? Oh, like a rally type of thing? Kind of, sort of. Okay, like, okay. you know, where they hold up the signs like car wash, car wash, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. or okay. honk if blah, blah, blah. Right. That's kind of what they did. Okay. You know, they weren't asking for donations. They weren't, they were just like, hey, you know, read the sign. Okay. Honk okay. and wave. Um, so Stephen, Josh's father, showed up to the honk and wave, and it was sour between him and Susan's father. They started arguing back and forth. Um Stephen was basically saying, like, you're smearing my son's name and you're not doing any help by finding Susan by doing this. And he started bragging, saying that he had Susan's journals. Because remember her and Josh, after they got married, they moved in with him to save money. This is Josh's dad. Ew. E oh, it gets way more ew. So... Basically, this this is where it gets rough. So in August of 2011, fast forward, Steve's house was under a search warrant to raid after the kids and Josh moved in with him. Stephen did have her journals, but also revealed that he was madly in love with Susan. What? This is his daughter-in-law. No, y'all. Oh. Ew! Shit. In his Ew! Yeah. In his personal journals, he said how much he wanted to marry her. His journals? Ew. His personal journals, yes. Wait, this grown man has a fucking diary? About his daughter-in-law. Oh, it gets worse. But mm -hmm. he has a diary. Yeah, dude. Like writing like, his feelings down? Like, <sighs> really not his feelings, but more of his... No, me, but yeah, but bleh. his feelings of disgustingness. Tell me you're unstable without... Yeah. Yeah. So he, in his personal journals, told... Said, his diary. I'm sorry. His diary. <laughs> I just call it a diary. The diary I'm of Stephen. I don't like them. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> in 
he was talking about and he wrote how much he wanted to marry Susan and how much in love with her he was. He wrote that he masturbated to the thoughts of Susan. <sighs> Detectives also found Susan's panties used cotton swabs to take off her, you know, nail polish, her tampons, like tampons? used tampons. Used? He would dig them out of the trash. They were all in Ziploc baggies. Like literally everything that Susan discarded, he would fucking keep. Oh, mm -hmm. And then we wonder why the husband is the way that he is. Oh. Right. Things are starting to make sense, huh? Yeah. That's Fucked where he up. gets it. I wish people could see my face right now. And that's the thing. Initially, <laughs> after, after Josh and Susan got married and they moved in with Steven, Josh's dad, you know, she instantly felt creeped out by him. And she would catch him doing weird things. And she would go to Josh and say, hey, I can't live here. Like, this is creeping me out. And Josh would defend his dad. Be like, oh, that's just my dad. That's just how he is. Well, but the, the problem is that, fucked up. Well, like, he probably didn't know any better because he's grown up in that way. Until like, he, so let's raise psych psychopaths. Like, there's nothing more powerful than a woman's intuition. Yes wholeheartedly yes but like i understand yep. like you know i feel bad for josh at that time because for him again he doesn't know any different he doesn't understand that the way that his dad is the way that his dad brought him up is wrong it's kind of a back and forth thing where you feel bad for him because yes like that's how he was raised he was raised by his father his mom walked out so yeah but at the same time like fuck you and you i'm telling you at the end of the story you'll oh, really God. be like fuck you oh shit there's more girl but there's more like messed up stuff okay this whole thing is a complete horrific tragedy because we technically haven't found her yet right no oh see oh my god no. but yeah use tampons bro it's fucked up come That's on those stink those fucking reek. Uh, Us women know they fucking reek. Yes. <laughs> it's dead blood. Yeah. And also like the outer lining of your uterus. Yeah. We're mm -hmm. shedding. That's like, our, that's our yeah, shedded uterus. The, yeah. Well, as like, as us women, like, you know, we can already say that it already stinks because we can literally smell it and like on our period, like when we're yeah. on our periods, like we can smell like, it coming from us. So the fact that somebody kept some shit that came out of us, however long after is fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's sick. It's beyond fucked up. Yeah. And like he stole her panties. I mean, he it basically anything Susan's, he would find a way to steal. He would, she would be in the bathroom using the toilet and she would see a camera, like his phone go underneath the, <gasps> oh, the no. crack of the door and he would try to take pictures of her. Are you really uh, like, mm. and, what, and what's sad is that she didn't have the money to get out. No. Yeah, she and, was stuck. And she was really stuck because she's telling her husband this, someone that she And he's in straight up denial. He, he doesn't care. No. Because well, he thinks it's I don't it's even normal. necessarily know. Well, I don't think it's necessarily that like he didn't care. I just don't think that, you know, for him in the lifestyle that he was brought up, that it's something to be scared of. Like, that's how he was brought up. So, and that's, you know, how his dad possibly treated him so mm -hmm. you know for him he's like it's that's it's normal like why are you so upset about exactly. it why why are we getting in this way when 
it's okay. The but research it, but I did not exactly like the research I did. It show it. It did say like, you know, Stephen Josh's father was abusive towards the family, but it didn't specify what kind of abuse. So I don't know if it was sexual, verbal, physical. You know, based I, on I how mean, the it could have been going, the latter. Like it could have been. I feel like it was. I wouldn't be surprised if it was physical, but sexually, it sounds pretty straight up that alley yeah Mm -hmm. especially like you know if your wife is trying to convey to you that you know she's feeling uncomfortable with what her father-in-law is doing even though like it's not even anything physical at that point Mm -hmm. that should say something to you like no yeah this is wrong not but i will say like the panty thing doesn't freak me out because i feel like that's a lot of like from your daughter for your daughter-in-law though well like, well i'm uh, don't be wrong like yes like the, the family <laughs> dynamic is wrong however like when it comes to the like the panty thing i feel like with people and their like fetishes and stuff i feel that's like that's just a weird fetish I, I feel like the underwear is the first thing to be taken or requested from of from whatever so that doesn't seem so weird to me it just grosses me out that it's you know the tampon weird i will say like like how you know, like you said, like there's guys that have a fetish of, you know. Well, it's not even just guys. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Girls, yeah, we yeah. have like people. There are people that yes. have a fetish of like being sent underwear and sniffing it. And, you know, they'll usually like masturbate, like smelling and it. And I know you can make good money off that. <laughs> oh, oh, my fans. God. I hey. wish I could. Well, uh, I I what was farts. it? Uh, Orange is the New Black. That really oh, yes. like kind of opened up my eyes. Like, the, you know, the Ruby Rose thing. I was like, God damn. Yeah. But like. I'm not brave enough to do that. But. <laughs> Right. But literally, I mean, and it was literally Susan's trash. Yeah, yeah it's disgusting. Like it's a disgusting. snot rag he would save. Like it's, anything yeah. of hers he would save, no matter if it was trash, her panties, her bras, like whatever. It's disgusting on multiple levels of one, it's her trash. Two, it's, you know. That's invasive. It, yeah, it's like. To your life. His, you know, your, son's your shit. daughter <laughs> and son's daughter. His son's wife. Oh my god, I can't even fucking think. His daughter-in-law. <laughs> daughter-in-law. Yeah, yeah, it's his daughter-in-law, and, th- and there's just so many more. I, you know, but yeah, it's fucked up on multiple levels. It's, yeah, this ugh, icky. Um, he was also a really shitty, mediocre musician and songwriter. And why are they all you- shitty musicians? Or like Charles Manson was a shitty like musician, and he yeah, psychopath. Like, yeah. And well, he wrote songs about Susan and one was, I don't know what it was called, but it was basically he, the lyrics were, I can love you in a secret way. I can love you every type of way. Y'all, you can look it up. I don't want to look, look it up. It No, it's, he Is cannot say. Oh God. I <laughs> <laughs> should, I look that? Should, should we find it? And like, you know, I let be all, shocked all of our listeners listen to it with us. Is it Stephen with a PH or a V? A V. Um, but he also stalked her. Like wherever she would go, he would follow her. Um, yeah, he would t- p- take pictures of her. Um, he would superimpose her face on like pornographic models' bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Copy and paste. Yeah. Um, so also... He he had this camera, like a high tech camera that he set up at his window to face the neighbors 
and it had like a high tech lens on it to zoom in. Well, he was taking naked photos of young girls that lived across the street from him in their own homes. Um, they'd be on the toilet undressing like they don't know. They're like yeah. 13, yeah, they're, 14 year like they don't know. That kind of reminds me of um, Gothica with Halle Berry. I've only seen it once. And I was like, <gasps> oh, really? I don't know. That's a good 12. movie. But yeah, like same kind of shit. Like she finds out that her husband is a cop and he's fucking dirty and disgusting and rapes young girls and women in this My God. like shed and like underneath like the staircase and all this. In that case, I believe in killing people. Like I would fucking, I would fucking kill Johnny. No questions. Like yeah. I don't care. I help you hide the body. Yeah. Thank you. And then we'll do just a photo put shoot. him in a vat of acid. <laughs> then we'll do the photo shoot after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he got caught. Um, Wait, so, the da- the dad. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Because uh, kind of out of order, but basically the boys ended up moving in with Stephen, his grandkids, Charlie and Brayden. They ended up moving in with Stephen and. The I, I forgot what happened, but the police ended up getting a search warrant for Steven's house. And that's when they found all this shit. And they were like, oh, hell no. This is not a place fit for children. So they arrested him for, you know, child pornography, like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they arrested him in November of 2011. And he was only sentenced to 30 months in prison. Are to me kidding me 30 months that's, that's nothing nope that's for a slap child on the porn that's a slap on the wrist yeah how fucked up is that so in 2011 so around two years after susan's disappearance which again you know josh is not arrested they have no evidence connecting him to her disappearance or you know police they definitely know something is going on but they cannot put any hard facts or hard evidence to say, Hey, we got to put you away. I can imagine that's so frustrating when like, you know, they're guilty. Exactly. So you they're trying everything. So in 2011, they found um, a search history on Josh's computer for Topaz mountain. And they went there. Cadaver dogs led them to a location where someone was burned and it looked like a shallow grave. Um, they sent the the DNA testing out and the results were inconclusive. Of course. So again, we're at a standstill. So Josh liquidated Susan's IRA and named his brother Michael as the primary beneficiary. Michael first caught law enforcement's attention in 2011, so two years after the disappearance, When it was discovered, he had paid to have his broken down car towed to a salvage yard two weeks after Susan Susan vanished. The police recovered the 1997 Ford Taurus from an auto shop in Pendleton, Oregon, and conducted forensic testing. A cadaver dog indicated the presence of human decomposition in the trunk, but DNA tests were also inconclusive. Why is it always inconclusive? I know. So every time they think they're getting closer it's a step back. You know, it's so frustrating. So Utah investigators visited Michael in Minneapolis, Minnesota in that October to interview him about the car and its possible involvement in the transportation of Susan's remains. Former Utah detective Ellis Maxwell said 
said that Michael refused to answer any questions. And that's sus. Like if you refuse, like, yeah, you're, you're guilty. Right. Red flag. What do you have to hide? You'd be doing everything. You'd probably be like the annoying person out and about all the time talking, you know, mm-hmm. versus the opposite. Yeah, exactly. So according to the Associated Press, Utah authorities believe Josh may have killed his wife and that Michael could have possibly assisted in the disposal of her body, but they did not have enough evidence to bring charges against the brothers. Another slap in the face. So now it being two years later, the kids are getting older and they're starting to remember that fateful night. Charlie told his teacher that they went camping that night, but his mom is dead. And Brayden, the younger brother, drew a picture of three people in the van and said, Mommy was in the trunk. <gasps> mm-hmm. mm. So the police finally successfully got into Josh's home computer and they found over 400 pornographic images of cartoon porn and depictions of incest. Ew. So basically, like. I'm not shocked. It, no. Yeah. Over 400? Come on. God damn. So that's one of the things he was trying to hide behind those hard drives that he encrypted. Imagine all the other ones. You're right. Like, it would be like cartoon porn. Okay. For example, Family Guy. It would be like Lois and Stewie having sex or Chris mm. and Lois having sex. If you watch Family Guy, just imagine any yeah. like. Mother, son, daddy, daughter, cartoon. Regardless, any kind of family intertwining is gross. Ew, right? So that being said, because of that, Josh lost custody of his children to Susan's parents and was ordered to undergo a physiological evaluation in February 2012. So now, three years after her disappearance. Again, they're they're still working on it, but like... Wow. Things only go so fast. Yeah, it's going real slow. Now it's like, you know, it's not going to be finding her alive with the hope. It's going to just to find her body so you can bury it. Mm-hmm. So um, he had to go through, you know, psychological evaluation, uh, polygraph, like all this shit. They, they pretty much determined him like, hey. You're not a fit father right now. Like, you got to get your shit together. Good. He was able to see his kids, but only under adult, not adult supervision, but like supervision from a social worker. Yep. Which I don't even think he deserves that. This And he shouldn't. And when you hear this next part, this is the worst part, I think, of the story. Again, it's just a horrific, horrific story. So on 12.30 p.m. on February 5th, 2012, social worker Elizabeth Griffin brought his, Josh's kids over for a supervised visit. As soon as the children were inside the house, Josh quickly locked Elizabeth out. Elizabeth immediately called the police and stated that she started to smell gasoline. The house soon went up in flames. What Josh did to his children is truly horrific. He incapacitated his children with a hatchet, bludgeoned them in the back of the head, doused them in gasoline, and set the house on fire. 
Moments earlier, he had sent his attorney a single line email. I'm sorry. Goodbye. Mm. I mean, that's heavy. How do you, they speculated that he killed his children because they were getting older and they were starting to remember and starting to be vocal and tell, yep. you know, what had happened that night. His secrets couldn't be contained anymore. His mm-hmm. pussy ass, bitch ass just couldn't handle, you know, going to jail and facing the consequences. You know what? I fucked up. I killed my wife. You had to kill your kids. Like that's something I'm not a parent, but I just, I don't fucking understand. I mean, kids are innocent. Exactly. To take a hatchet to the back of their head and bludgeon them to death. And like that. Cause he killed himself. Yes. He died in the fire. So here's my thing. Yes. He's a pussy ass bitch. He, he killed himself. Well, but here's my thing is again, as a parent, you know, that is one thing that I, I truly fear about every single fucking day of my life is that, you know, there's going to come a time where I am no longer here with my son or potentially any future children that I may have hopefully in the future. But not only that, but I, I also have, I like, I, I, I panic about this daily if something was to happen to me and or like, you know, something was to happen to my son and I'd have to live without him. Like it truly screws up my heart every single day as a parent. Like, you know, you sign up to protect love guide everything under the sun to make sure that, you know, they have the best and most fulfilled life. That's your duty as a parent. Exactly. So for me, you know, with this whole situation, cause like I'm, in my blood right now. Yeah. Like, I, um, uh, like it's, it's really hard for me to hear that, you know, he kind of, yeah, as you say, like, you know, he took the pussy way out, but more along the lines is that if you were so worried about what was going to happen to you, just kill yourself. Yeah. Like you already did it. Leave them alone. Same thing with Chris Watts like, in Colorado. Like, like, I don't understand why you would kill your two beautiful girls. I know, and then put like, them you know. in that that water tank. Oh my god, dude! But so. like, but that's what I'm saying is like, you know, they're kids. I understand, like, you know, you're trying to cover your ass, but at the same time, like, if you're so worried about what's going to happen to you, and you already had this idea set that you're going to kill yourself, don't touch them. Do your deed. They didn't. The do world anything. is better without you anyway. So go away. See ya. Bye. Let them live their lives. Yeah, they're going to probably be traumatized because then they're going to be without their parents and is like for your hand to blame. But let them be. Mm -hmm. They're innocent. They're children. For God's sake, like it. I. That's what I'm saying. This whole case goes from bad to worse to just horrible. And I didn't include it, but there was speculation that Josh's brother had something to do with it, who also committed suicide. Like. I don't know, two weeks or maybe two months. I can't remember which one, but he committed suicide shortly after Susan disappeared and yeah. Josh passed away. He um, has something involved with it yeah. then. Yeah. Guilt eats but away. It, that was a whole thing. Like, uh, yeah, he, he was very suspicious when police, you know, questioned him and, you know, just it's, it's tragic, this whole tale. So I'll finish it up with saying um, in July of 2020, So kind of recently, the Washington state awarded Susan's parents 98 million for negligence stemming from the deaths of their grandchildren. 
a year after the deaths of Josh, Char- Charlie, and Brayden, Michael, Josh's brother, committed suicide by jumping off a roof in downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota. To this day, Susan Powell has never been found. That's so nuts. She's in that cave. She's in that. She's mine. in the mine. She's in that mine. They can't go down there because it's too dangerous. And like, I get that, but like, <sighs> if we're able to go down in fucking volcanoes and go to space, there we can find a way. If we can find the fucking Titanic in a goddamn submarine, uh, don't quote the last submarine trip. Uh, well, they did find it technically. Uh, yeah, but it, it's been done. Yeah, they're but, close. Like, Y'all figure it out. We have the technology. It's just the fact that people aren't wanting to use the resources because that requires money that they'd rather save for themselves to get paid out later. Exactly. Like we all know the truth. We all know she's, she's, she's down there. She's gone. She's, she's passed on, unfortunately, but God, get her body. That's heavy. Like bring her family. It, it, when you watch, so there's a, if y'all have Hulu, I highly recommend watching the, I think it's an investigative discovery. Like it's like an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend watching it. It's, oh yeah, I'm totally. What is it called? Uh, just type in like Susan Powell. Okay, okay. On Hulu, and it pops up. But it's it's very sad. It's very, it's riveting. It's it makes you angry. Um, just you know how diabolical people can be. Oh, I know. It kind of reminds me of um the story, the Lonely Bones. Yes, that's Why a have great I heard movie. of that. It's oh, a, girl. It's a great movie. It is so great. The book is, is fantastic. Have, what's her face? Um, Yeah, I can't say it. But yes, her, um, Stan something. Stan. He's from uh, Stanley. He, Stanley. Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci's. Yes. So he was like an older man that like coaxed her into... I could be like, wrong. No, so this one was know. it was a little girl. This was his like weird, creepy neighbor. Um, he had somehow convinced her to go to this little secret spot. Ended up, I'm pretty sure it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but ended up like you know raping her, killing her, and hiding her. Ugh. And her father fought so hard to try and find her and it's kind of like you know she was in like the afterlife essentially and she was coming to her father trying to get her or get him to you know open his mind see what she's trying to tell him and all this stuff and finally like find his body and you know put him behind bars and all this kind of stuff like watch the movie it is truly great It, It, it breaks your heart because again parent mindset just or like even not even parent because i saw it when i was in community college Mm -hmm. i remember like you know going to one of my classes and like uh talking about it because it was just it was so riveting at the time when i watched it but i mean it's just insane like there's disgusting ass fucking people in this world i know i I truly (sighs) hate it mark Wahlberg uh played the dad yes 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 i love marky Mm -hmm. mark he's got a body yaddy but it's it's scary when like especially like as women like we trust our spouses we trust our you know like it's it's scary when you trust the wrong people because you you're taken advantage of and then especially like this incident it's just it's heavy and that's the thing she was what five six years younger than him she was 19 i think when she met him and he was 24 25 so in her mind she's thinking 
you know, oh, he's established. Like he has his own place. He has his own car. Like I'm smitten with him. And not only that, like later on, he becomes the father of her children. So like you said, you know, we, we trust in our men, we trust in our husbands and our significant others. And, you know, to her, maybe his behavior was weird, but, you know, for her to create a safety deposit box and then, you know, go to a divorce lawyer, unbeknownst to Josh, like that's saying something like she wanted out, but nobody really knew about it because she didn't want to feel embarrassed or it's just sad that, you know, that's a thing where we don't want to talk about our traumatic experiences or, Hey, you know, I'm going through this. Is this weird? Do you think this is weird? Is this normal? Cause this is normal in my life. Well, it's like, she was so, it sounds like she was so emotionally abused that she may have felt scared to even reach out to her own family and exactly you know she didn't, didn't want to drag him them. in yeah which is well, so sad i i would agree to that but also i think like it's regardless of how the whole situation played out i think in the way that she did it she bought herself more time because her going to a divorce attorney you know behind his back doing all the secret things that she did to kind of you know, give herself more credit. Yeah. Like, cause had she had probably gone to a divorce attorney, had she probably gone to her family and all that. And like, you know, said, Hey, I think I needed to get out of this. Like it probably would have gotten back to Josh and she probably would have been killed Mm, a lot sooner. Right. right. And the fact that she wrote in her, you know, safety deposit box saying like, Hey, if anything happens to me or my family, it wasn't an accident. I do not trust Josh. Like that, that's huge. Yeah, that should be like that lock, them, mountains. lock them up. Yeah, that speaks mountains. So I hope everything made sense. I tried to put no, everything you did in order. No, that was fantastic. Now I want to go watch the show because like I now know. I'm like as like as upset kidding, as y'all. I am about the whole situation because like stuff like this like really hits for me again like mom heart. I just mm-hmm. that's um, oh go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, it just I like to know more about these things just to see understand like because i think that's like my big thing for a lot of stuff is like i like to you know really understand like the mindset people were in when they then when they made these decisions or why they chose to go these routes and stuff like that so i'm really i'm intrigued i i want to know more it'll probably make me upset and i probably won't necessarily like it but i i want to know no that that's why again i'm not (laughs) I'm not saying this is my favorite true crime. I'm saying it as like, this is one that I will never forget about. It really, when I first watched it, it fucking stuck with me because of how horrific everything was. Like, I mean, I feel like tragedy is an understatement. Mm -hmm. Like that is what it is. But Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, like. It's the portrayal of your immediate family of what you created, you know, and. And then the, to me, like the most horrific part was, okay, first off, not ever finding Susan's remains, not ever finding her. Secondly, the way Josh murdered his own children. How do you take a hatchet to your kid's head? Uh, That and then douse them in gasoline. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, just say it. That's what happened. He doused them in gasoline after he bludgeoned them in the head. But like... 
it's one of those things. How the that, fuck? It's it's one of those things. It's like I've always been told, like, be glad you don't understand. Yeah, no you know, shit. That that's not our norm. We would never do that. I would agree with that statement. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely it's so not our personality and our DNA to ever think of that. And it's when you see it happen or hear about it, it it definitely weighs on you. Even though like me and Kirsten don't have kids, it's we have like I have a niece and it's just right. i think of like someone i just i i i think of my cat toki i'm like i i can't even think about bludgeoning and that's the fucking animal which okay it's my kid but oh no i totally get right. it like i accidentally clipped um <laughs> our cat's nail too much and he kind of bled out no. i cried as i'm holding him jeff thing. just like nodding his head in the corner <laughs> I cried and I was like, I'm such a bad mom. Cause it's like this poor innocent thing doesn't know. They don't know. I, I didn't do it on purpose, you know? And I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you, but no, it's hilarious. But I was just, oh, I can't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and the cat's like, what the fuck did you do? Fuck and I'm you, like, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, yeah, it's, it's so sad. It's just tragic. It's heavy. It's a heavy, tragic story. It's like when when you hear about mothers, you know, drowning their babies for, you know, in the voice of God, like God told them to do it. Like, no, bitch, your schizophrenic ass is crazy. Yeah, God yeah. didn't tell you to do shit. Nope. It's like death, you know, murder stories like this is they're always really sad and, you know, things like that. But I don't know. I feel like there's a difference when children are also murdered as well. I don't yep. know why that makes a difference to me, but it's just, it's more sad. Like, I, it's, there's the, there's so much innocence that's lost. Yeah. I mean, yeah, cause like, again, like I relate to y'all's like, you know, things where, you know, even with your, your fur babies, like they mean so much, like with mine, like not my fur baby, but like <laughs> my actual human, my, baby. <laughs> my, my human, but like, you know, I get really frustrated at times, like with Jackson, like, you know, if he doesn't listen to me or, you know, I have to yell at him like five times in a row because he's just being stubborn because he's my blood and he is my mini me. <laughs> but it like it's frustrating because like I don't like being this way, but I have to be this way so that he understands like, you know, this is how we like this is how we act. This is, yeah. like you know, what it's supposed to be like. We don't get to have free range of whatever ice cream all day long. No. Like there are rules, there's, you know, set guidance, there's discipline. We'll have fun when there's a lot of fun, but no, like this is how we work. You're a parent first and then their friend. Yes. I mean, I will, my view of being a parent is that I am a parent until he is of the age to be able to make decisions for himself and they are good for his life. Yeah. At that point, I will step away from being seen as a parent and I will allow you to have a relationship with me as a friend. Because until that point, I can't be that for you because I feel like with a lot of people or at least a lot of people that I know, they are so consumed with making sure that they have a friendship with their children when that's not what they need. Those are the kids that I grew up with that, you know, went buck wild with drugs, with drinking that had all the issues, you know, that had no guidance because their parents were so consumed with making them friends. There's I don't no boundaries. I don't need you to be my friend. I need you to be who 
helps me and guides me along in my life. And then when we get to that point where, you know, I, I've made it in a sense of, you know, I'm an adult, I'm able to function, then we can have that friendship because it's no longer that I necessarily need you in that aspect. I just need you to be there and support me yeah. in my next adventure, my next chapter. I don't need you to, you know, tell me what to do because respectfully... I don't really give a shit what you say to me after that. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's most likely going to go out one year, not the other. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah no. Mm-mm. I I highly recommend y'all, if y'all have Hulu, just type in Susan Powell. And okay. she'll come and up. And the episode will show up. It Again, it's an hour and a half. I'm totally going to um, watch it. Yeah, it, it's, I guess it's more fucked up, like, seeing the kids faces like that's what keeps replaying in my mind and hearing charlie say like oh mommy went to stay with the crystals like that is so sad you know it kind of reminds me of um there was an incident incident that happened with my parents neighbors um i don't think i actually talked to y'all or ever told y'all this um their next door neighbor um it was a husband and wife and two kids and the reason I'm about to say this story is because the kids acted so calm and kind of like lighthearted that it seems like it's kind of their norm about abuse and their, their, uh, family Shit. because next door to my parents, um, this is when I was living with them before I met Jeff and my mom came into my room and was like, Mallory, wake up, wake up. And I'm a heavy sleeper. So I can sleep there or anything. And there have been gunshots. Um, there was, police out there, fire trucks, ambulance. And what had happened um, next door is that the husband ended up coming home and shooting his wife. He shot himself in front of one of the little girls. And when the police was questioning them, they were um, on my other neighbor's uh, doorstep using that as an interview And the kids were so calm. We were talking to the other police and they said that that's usually a sign that this is their norm. Isn't that sad? (sighs) I got goosebumps with that. Did he? So maybe dumb question. When he shot himself, did he die? So he tried to shoot himself the first time. It didn't go through. And the second time he was looking at the oldest one. I think she was like 13 at the time, looking at her in the eyes and shot himself. In, in the house. Uh, well, oh. in the head. In the head. In the, oh, and then he he died. Oh, mm-hmm. so so what happened to the wife? He killed her. He killed her first. Oh. He killed her first. So okay, she did die. Mm-hmm. He so, killed her first. Tried to shoot himself. Didn't work. Shot him again. Or shot himself again. Yeah. So and then the died. Like, in, okay. Died in front of the kids. So oh when he killed God. the mom, apparently from what we can hear from the little girls like interviewing. Whenever he shot the mom, the oldest one told the little one to run out of the house. Yep. Oh my god. And she god. stayed behind. And it was the oldest one's birthday. Ago, how long ago was this? Um God. I, I feel can't like I remember, remember this. But it was in it was in Allen. I feel like I remember Allen, this. Texas, yeah. I can't remember how long ago it was. I feel like I remember this story. Cause we trying to think because i met jeff in 2018 and it was before then and i probably moved it was anywhere between 2016 to 2018 before august i don't know when in that time range 
I'll be completely honest, but it was just sad to see how the kids were so calm through the whole thing and not one of them were crying. Not one of them had a tear. Do you think they comprehended what actually... They knew it would happen. Yes. Oh yeah, my. They, they but what gone. she's saying is like they are so susceptible to the abuse and the chaos. They're like numb to it. Exactly. Yeah. That's Dude. what she's saying. Man. Oh my God. So it's like, it's just kind of like when you were talking about the kid, which is like, oh yeah, mommy just laid with the icicles or, you know, it's kind of like, hmm? it was, so, yeah, it was like so lighthearted, just nonchalant. Like it was just. Where yeah, for us normal adults, we're like, huh? Yeah, where we what? catch that and like, wait, what was that? No, that ain't right. Yeah. You know, I Johnny and I have rules with each other. Like, don't cheat on me and don't fucking kill me. If you get tired of me, just fucking end it. Oh my God, he said the same thing to Jeff. He's oh over here like God. kind of cracking his smile. I was like, <laughs> if it ever gets bad, just tell me. That you want to murder me and I'll just fucking let you go. You can take everything. I don't give a fuck. I just. Dude. Let you know. Like don't. Just, just don't kill me. Just, because if you cheat on me, I will end up on forensic files. Oh yeah. With your fucking murdered ass and your mistress's murdered ass. Like mm-hmm. I will do the murdering. Oh my God. I had the same <laughs> conversation. Kidding, but mm, am I? No, yeah. Right. I told Jeff, I was like, yeah, if you ever cheat on me, I said I'm out. And I was like, I don't care if we're married for some, how many, several years all these kids and I don't give a fuck. I'm out. You'll never see my face again. Yep. And then I was like, but if you're going to murder me, just let me know. And I'll, I'll just leave. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Just, yeah, it's easy. Just let me know. I'll be out. (laughs) If if you say, Hey, I have an inkling of killing you. Cause you're too, you're too much for me. I can't handle your ass on a plane for your panic attack ass. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, Okay. uh, I'll go ahead and leave right now. I will go find a place to rent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i'm totally the same way because it's like we watch all these like shows where it's just like just let us know you, you don't have to go around my, behind my back just let me know i'm out and that's it's cool that's, right and <laughs> going back to this story like it was so it was easier for him to fucking commit suicide for, no first off kill your wife kill your kids and commit suicide rather than divorce like i no shit. That, well, not only that so... but like was divorce even necessary could you not just communicate could yeah. you not it seemed like she converse- tried to and he oh yeah shut oh, it down. Well, i'm sure but that's what i'm saying it's like you literally just couldn't communicate with your partner and so then we had to go as far as murder suicide right and you know i wouldn't even say like his actions were prideful they were not prideful like you you don't have so much pride to be like no i can't communicate with you about divorce like it's not happening like you're a fucking joke you're a creep, you're a weirdo, you're a coward. And you can't face reality. Right. Like the reality of the situation is that y'all have had marital problems for three, four years, and you you can't face that. Right. You'd, you'd <laughs> rather take the turn for the worse. Like but I respectfully, like, regardless of like the time of when, you know, and what they were doing, and don't get me wrong, I don't know what they were going through and everything like that. But I feel like everything that people go through in marriages can be a conversation 100 exactly. like they're, it's they're not truly to talk to your spouse. well but like regardless of what you have going on there truly there isn't really anything that big that you can't not talk about it what's so funny because like 
me and Jeff, I always tell him like, never be scared to like communicate with me and tell me and, you know, cause Jeff is very like quiet and reserved and like, you know, and I, I know it's just like, um, like a, a thing where he's super sweet, you know, he won't ever tell me what's wrong. So I can f sometimes feel it just cause I feel like a woman's intuition and I'm just like, just please open up, just talk to me, you know, this, that, if I remember, I don't know if I just let me know, you know? And so we've definitely had conversations and, you know, I was like, if I'm ever being annoying or, you know, overstepping a boundary or something or, you know, this and that, like, just let me know and call me out, you know? And it's funny cause he called me out and I was like, oh, bitch, but it's like, I'm so proud of you, <laughs> you know? But it was, it wasn't like, it, especially when you know that, it's not you and your spouse against each other. It's you and your spouse together against the problem. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's out for your best yeah. interest. Exactly. And they're that's like, what I'm saying. Hey, yeah. I want you to be your best person or your best self. And you're being fucking annoying. Right. About that's this. what I'm saying. Like, there is literally no reason as to why you and your partner can't communicate efficiently together to like tackle whatever problem you may have. Yeah. No, literally excuse. There, like there, there is no easy. reason. Nope. None. Unless you have a low IQ and come from a sick motherfucker like that guy. Unless you're inbred like Josh Powell. Yeah. I think his mom and dad were brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he was into that porn so who just knows? saying if y'all see his face he kind of looks like a in the hulu documentary is it a documentary or is it just a movie um no it's a documentary okay it's but like a, they they really show him his face yeah okay it, okay it's it's the real deal there's no i mean there's little um what do you call it why am i blanking uh reenaction reenactments reenactments yeah but they're blurred out like it's okay it's super well done it's not cheesy i just didn't know if it was gonna be like uh what's the show on hulu and also on max the one with like elizabeth olsen that does the motel the the coma motel in richardson huh the murder at, at the coma motel in richardson i <laughs> don't know this one well tell us tell us what? Y'all don't know about like the shit that happened in like uh was it Wiley at the time? Like back in like the sixties or seventies? Uh uh. Yeah, the murder at the Como Motel, like the wait, one wait, off seventy five. Wait, maybe you should say that so we can talk about that. Yeah, like we yeah. can, but like but y'all don't know it's on Hulu and it's on Max. No, I'm like, stupid. Oh no, yeah. not at all. But like but that like literally obviously like is like famous actors portraying or kind of like uh with uh what's her face? Um they did that in Gypsy Dr. Rose. Death. Oh, yeah. Like there's, yeah. Like, no, so like there's that one like that on Hulu. Well, obviously, like, yeah, it's just interpretations of. Those, I know like, what you're people. talking okay. about. No, it's not like that. Like okay. if there's any reenactions, like their faces are blurred. It's like a blurry. Gotcha. 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 Depiction. Okay. But you know what's going on. Right. OK. So like, it's, it's not just like it's not a, a series. No, you see me, creation. You it's actual like a documentary with the real people and the information. OK. okay you okay. actually see the video of Susan Powell you know, documenting their assets and she turns the camera towards her and she's like, Hey, you know, I've been in marital distress for three to four years. Like you can see her talking. Okay. Cool. It's, oh, actually Susan. Yeah. Oh, that's and then oh, it just, wow. if you oh, look at Josh Powell, he looks like a, <sighs> that's the dad, right? I, yeah. The, okay. Steven's dad. No, Steven is Josh's dad. The oh, okay. weird tampon guy is Steven. Yeah, it's oh, Steven, Josh, okay. Mike, Mike. Steven is the father of yeah. Josh. Mm -hmm. Josh. Who murdered his family Mike. and himself. And then Michael 
was the brother. He was barely talked about. There's a whole thing with him too, but I didn't want to make it too long. So yeah. Oh, he was totally involved. If it's, there's blood in his car, he's involved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't worry. He did it to himself. Oh, 100%. He killed himself when he's in hell. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things like, I hope hell sometimes is real just so like, People like that will be in purgatory forever. Yeah. Animal abusers, kid killers. Like there are certain people that Norman, Norman Baker, fuck you. Yeah. I feel like there, there is a specific place. I don't know if it's hell necessarily because I I don't. it's worse. Yeah. Me too. Because let's face it. I feel like hell would be like the most like popping party ever because like you got like the gays and you know they all think they're gonna go to hell like that's who you want to be in hell with with all like the, the fun gays because think about all the boring christian people are going to be up in heaven and devout. i thought about that too i'm like i was like i want to be out down with a party uh, right you know what i think it's of you know what i think hell is in little nikki yes <laughs> where nikki is playing uh, I think he's playing Running with the Devil yes. by Van Halen in his bedroom. He has like Aussie posters and everything. and Running with the devil. <laughs> and then um, st- uh, that whole family and Norma Baker are getting like pineapples up their butt. <gasps> You're schnerious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that does that include our whole episode for this? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay, I think that kind of wraps it up for this episode. This episode may be a part one, part two. Um, we'll definitely I see how it goes, but if not, we'll catch you next time. Catch Signing you on the flip side. Is us. All right, bye the guys. Bye. See you. Hey, thanks for listening. The Ghoul Gang is produced by Jeffrey Anderson. Don't forget to like, follow, and leave a review. You can also find us online. Just search The Ghoul Gang Podcast on all platforms. Email us your stories and ideas at info at Until next time, stay spooky.